Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 306 of the Fun With Cars, Formula One, and other motorsports podcast, or episode 40 of 2021. I'm Robin Warner, and today I'm joined by the man who steadfastly continues his years-long search for Williams merch in Texas, Christopher Roche. Hey, Chris. Oh, man. Yeah, let's hope there's some in uh, Texas this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a quest that has has required your steadfast resolve. Uh, many many lesser men would have given up long ago. Well, for Williams fans listening, I suggest buying it online before you get there because you may be sorely disappointed. Uh, but maybe with the resurgence of the team, they have some presence this year. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about uh, the forthcoming U.S. Grand Prix. Well, that's good, Chris, because it is Tuesday afternoon, October 19th, and Chris and I are, in fact, going to talk about the upcoming United States Grand Prix. But first, I imagine there's a bit of news to chat about. Chris, what do you got? We have the 2022 Formula One calendar released with 23 races. Only 23? Man. Just the 23. And, oh, it's, a, a it's a short calendar. Short calendar. It's, uh, and, well, it is a short end calendar. They they intend it ending before December. I know. That's right. March to November is back. Uh, December races are gone for next year, so we better make the most of them this year. The big news is the M's are back: Melbourne, Montreal, Miami. Well, Miami's not back. It's it's a new race, but Melbourne and Montreal yes, are back. Yes, yes. And Singapore and Suzuka are also back. They're not, they don't start with the letter M, but you get my point. And uh, we have uh, classic Imola uh, on the calendar still, but we've lost China, which is quite a surprise. Oh, well, I mean, it, you know, and that certainly wasn't a bad track, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily a standout either. No, we had a few interesting races, but it's such a big market. I mean, while Formula One continues to try and push to have a greater presence in the US, it would seem a little short-sighted to to withdraw from China but uh, so it's slightly odd from the commercial side of the sport uh, perspective but um, I know that COVID has, has created a lot of issues with certain markets and so potentially it may only be a, a further uh, absence for one or two more seasons and, and come roaring back who knows we shall find out. Right, you know, and once we have a 33 race calendar I'm sure China <laughs> will be back maybe with two locations. Um, it's fascinating to see this march towards, I, I know that Liberty, Liberty Media had the goal of 25 races in a season, considering how truly worldwide Formula One is, that does seem like quite the strain, but we are also assuming this race calendar does indeed get completed, as I'm sure everyone hopes, we're only two races away at that point. It's certainly a lot of races. I, you know, I, for many years I followed the sport when it had about 16, and that seemed to me to be enough at the time. We all want more all the time, apparently. So a few more races, 50% more, is not necessarily a bad thing. There's um, this with the, the, the summer break. I know we all miss the sport. Certainly I do for those few weeks where it suddenly disappears. Uh, but I also find triple headers too much. You know, I, I like I like the alternate weekend format. Honestly, you can enjoy all of the sessions through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, immerse yourself in the sport, get into all the news, and then the following weekend you can do something else. 
Um, right, catch up on getting uh, the yard work done and things of that nature. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's a triple header. It, it becomes a little bit too much in my mind. But, uh, but there you go. Well, have to find that balance. It was last podcast that you said that you do not tire of putting up the microphone and having a chat and that a longer calendar was fine for you when I was uh, lamenting the chance of the, the shortened off season. And uh, what you're saying, it sounds like, is no, 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 keep the season nice and long, but spread it out, please. So it, it's not it's not the length of the season for you but the frequency of races within that season. Exactly, yep. 26 races every other weekend throughout the year. Perfect. (laughs) 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 Ditch the winter break. Ditch the summer break. That would be ideal. Yeah, superfluous those times. Who needs them? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I do, in fact, have some IndyCar news to share. Um, There was a a little bit of a question mark about Jack Harvey, the uh, fine young... British racing driver who was recently uh, said to not be with Michael Shank racing anymore as Simon Paginot has taken that seat. Jack Harvey will be racing with Ray Hall Letterman Langigan, Langigan racing. And uh, so he will be uh, alongside Graham Ray Hall. And that does actually open up another question, which is, is Takuma Sato going to be IndyCar racing next year? That is still an open question. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some resolution on that fairly soon. Takuma Sato is no longer the youngest driver on the grid. So that might make it a little bit harder for him. But you never know. He still has plenty of energy for it. And and his fitness levels are quite high. I just, I don't know. It'll just be opportunity, I suppose. And so Colton Herter, you think he's going to be on the grid next year? Oh, man. I think there's some questions that will be answered, or maybe uh, maybe not, but hopefully we'll start to hear a little bit more about that after this U.S. Grand Prix this coming weekend. Yeah, Mario Andretti gave an interview um, to F1 Nation and was asked directly about uh, developments, and he claimed largely to be ignorant of, of the minutiae, but reading between the lines he does sound quite optimistic that Andretti may be in Formula One soon and he reiterated his belief that Herta would definitely flourish in Formula One so I think no definite news yet but certainly sounds very promising. Well it would be exciting certainly and just as you've stated in the past seeing the current state of Haas and uh, what are quote-unquote American Formula One team is up to, I certainly would not be upset about more American involvement directly with Formula One team, especially if that included an American driver. So I have some combined F1 NASCAR news. Would you like to hear that? I, it might be I, a first for this podcast. I, I, I would like to hear it. I am quite, pos- uh, quite confident I know about it, but please do share. So Daniel Ricciardo in one of his many bets with Formula One team owners that he's usually successful with, uh, has secured a drive of Dale Earnhardt's 1984 Chevy Monte Carlo for this weekend's US Grand Prix. So uh, he, uh, that is owned by uh, Zach Brown, who has quite the car collection. We have talked about Zach's car collection in the past. So uh, I guess the, the bet was if Danny could get on the podium, he would get a drive. And of course, he won the Italian Grand Prix this year. And so 
Zach, as the honorable man he is, is delivering. And so fans who will be in Texas this weekend will get to see that site, which uh, I'm not sure how what a Monte Carlo from, from mid-80s vintage is going to handle around that track, but it could be entertaining. I, a lot less about how quickly it will go and its sector times. It'll be a spectacle to see it leaning over as it takes corners and hear that raw, raucous V8 rumble down the track. I think that will be the real treat of the whole circumstance. Yeah, that I mean, that does sound uh, very entertaining because we I fully expect Daniel will be quite leery behind the wheel and will be giving it plenty. So it should be uh, should be quite quite good fun. Hopefully, there'll be some YouTube clips about uh, about those laps uh, forthcoming quite soon. You heard it here first, folks. Daniel Ricardo is changing his name to Larry. <laughs> that is a that is a an Englishism to be Larry, and uh, I have no idea what it means. I think it means you know like like just go ahead like hanging it out there, being extravagant, uh, you know, giving it his all in an entertaining way. How 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 warm am I with my definition of Larry? Well, I would. Pick you up on the pronunciation. First of all, it's Larry, as in rhyming with hairy. So if you're Larry, it means that you like to get the you know the back end out in a in a rear wheel drive car. So lots oh, is of, this is this Cockney slang? No, 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 no. It just means I don't know. Larry is someone's name. Larry is to drive over enthusiastically. I have no <sighs> idea what difference is that I'm saying versus what you're saying. <laughs> Does it sound the same to you? Yeah. Okay. So try saying Harry, but with what an L. What you're saying is Larry. What I'm saying is Larry, which rhymes with Harry. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> what, whatever. To me, it's, that's like you're saying Larry. There we go. Here we are, folks. Two people who can't communicate the same language. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you Larry need to learn means... to speak American, Chris. I, I do. There, I've been I've trying for 21 it. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, failed so far. Um, yeah, I mean, it just means, uh, you know, to drive like a bit of a turkey. Get get the power down, spin the wheels, get the back end out, lots of tyre smoke. Generally get through a set of tyres in about five minutes. Oh, I, yeah, I love it. So here's – we have to discuss this just a little bit more. Tomato, tomato. Tomato. Potato, potato. Those are easy to distinguish the difference. What what are What is the difference between – Larry and Harry. I. What am I saying? Should I roll the R? Is it Larry or something? Like where? Or is the? Should I give it more gusto? Where? Where's the? Where am I missing this? I think there's it's the emphasis on the air. So Larry, Larry, <laughs> as opposed to Larry. Okay, so it's Larry, Larry. Larry. Perfect. Well done, Larry. You got it, mate. Oh, Larry. Instead of Larry, of course. Anyway, um, moving on to the upcoming United States Grand Prix. It is an exciting race, and we are going to start our conversation about said Grand Prix with a quiz. And I'm going to quiz Christopher Roche on a few facts about this race, and we'll see how well he does. Chris has not prepared for this. He was not aware of this before we began, so we will see how he does. First of all, Larry is uh, how I expect you to do this. I want you to just be Larry with this this whole thing. 
Um, how many races have been held at Circuit of the Americas? How many Formula One races have been held there? Oh, I'm glad you clarified because total number of races, no idea, but there have been eight Formula One races. That is exactly right. The first race was in 2012. The most recent race was in 2019. There was no race in 2020 because of uh, the pandemic. It was just straight up canceled. So we've only had eight Grand Prix so far, even though the first one was in 2012. Okay, who has won the race the most times? Mr. Lewis Hamilton, five-time winner Ooh, in two different cars. That is correct. It was Lewis Hamilton that won in the um, McLaren in 2012 and then won it four times with the Mercedes. And that leads to my next question. Lewis Hamilton has won this race four times in a row. What years were those? 2014 through 17. Correct again. Look at him go. This is... Uh, this is impressive. It's almost like you've read up on this sport before. Uh, <laughs> I might have done similar research to you, I think. <laughs> okay. So, which driver has been on the pole the most times? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, I'm going to say Hamilton. I don't actually know the answer, but I'm guessing it's Hamilton. You are correct. Hamilton was also on pole the most. He has been on pole three times, and that was in a row. He was on pole 2016 through 2018, which is actually kind of, if you look at his race wins and when that occurred, he was actually had to win this race a couple of times uh, not on pole. And, you know, he's, he's won it. He's only won it from pole twice, actually in 16 and 17. Um, the other three times he won it um, were in other positions. And one of the times he was on pole was when Kimi Raikkonen won the race in 2018. So it's not that he won the race every time he started on pole either. So that is fun little tidbits there. Okay. How many different teams, race teams, have won the United States Grand Prix? Three and I can name them. We've already talked about McLaren and Mercedes-Benz. So who is the third? Could it be Ferrari? No, of course not. It's Red Bull. That is incorrect. And you are wrong, sir. Four teams have won because McLaren won, just as Ooh. you said. Red Bull Racing, <laughs> Mercedes, and Ferrari did in fact win in 2018 with Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> so yes, the question was a trick question. There are four <laughs> teams that have won it. Oh, did I say three? Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that was <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, no, uh, <laughs> well, yes, that is that was the that was my plot to make sure you didn't get a perfect score. Okay, <laughs> instead of just saying the number, <laughs> how many different drivers and who were they that won the race? So now, no longer teams. Which drivers have won the race? Four drivers have won the race. So as, as well as Hamilton, we've had Sebastian Vettel, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, and Valtteri Bottas. Absolutely correct. And I am still very much enjoying the fact that I told you that only three teams won. No, it was four teams. Uh, McLaren, Red Bull Racing, Mercedes, and Ferrari, which I'm sure Chris would have gotten correctly had I not stumped him by... <laughs> <laughs> with, with my uh, deception. Anyway, that is the uh, entirety of my quiz. Well done, sir. Oh, well, here we go. So who holds the lap record at Cota? 
It is a Formula One driver, so you can forget your IndyCar lap times. And well, and they were a good 15 seconds a lap slower anyway. Um, right. So even Nikita Mazepan probably beats that, right? Perhaps, yeah. No, so it, it's, it is, it's me. I own the lap record. I have, <laughs> I have, I have lapped that track uh, a few different times in production cars. Uh, I, I did so in an Alfa Romeo uh, Stelvio. But the um, but the Quattrovelle Stelvio that was a lot of fun. It was quite quite nice. And then I've I've lapped uh, Civic SIs there as well. And because of my knowledge of that track, I must have been I don't know a good solid ten fifteen seconds quicker than the Formula One cars. You know because my laps were under two and a half minutes. So I'm going to say uh, me. Is it that. is it official? Am I officially on the record? You'd have to do a 121 to get 15 seconds under the lap record. Did you do a 121 in a Stelvio? As long as there are no follow-up questions, yes. <laughs> okay, well, have a guess at who the F1 driver is that who holds the lap record. Well, let me uh, let me rephrase the question. I would only presume that it's Lewis Hamilton. It is not. It is Charles, Charles Leclerc in a Ferrari ah, back in 2019. In 2019. So uh, this was, uh, I see, that surprised me. I thought that, I thought the 2019 race was right after, maybe it was right before there was the whole issue with, is Ferrari using oil as combustion that uh, slowed their engines down? And I thought the USGP was... The first race after that had been discovered, and so maybe I have that. In, maybe that was just before it was discovered. Do you, do you know what I'm? Do you remembering? I know exactly. I, I know exactly what you mean because that was the year where Ferrari found about 20 miles per hour on everybody else in a straight line, and uh, questions started to be raised about uh, their horsepower, um, and they blown everyone away at Bonza and Spa. Um, and Charles did set the fastest lap, but I think it was uh, it was during that sort of renegotiation period where Ferrari were realizing that the game was up and they were going to have to turn the wick down a little bit. But I think they still had enough pace to. Uh, and I, you know, I think there was also remember Hamilton. Hamilton had a funny weekend in nineteen. He only qualified fifth, uh, fifth on the grid, and was trying to you know make his way back onto the podium, uh, and only got uh, second place, as I recall. So, yeah, maybe uh, that sort of stymied some of his ultimate pace. Very, very possible. Okay, well, there you go. That, uh, so, uh, Christopher Roche won, Robin zero when it comes to quizzes uh, in this podcast episode. Um, now, before we go any farther, Chris, I have some exciting news. We have a, a sponsor, an ad of sorts, and I want to tell you about it. I'm really excited about this. Because, racing fans, DraftKings Sportsbook has a Formula One racing no-brainer that's bound to put you in victory lane. Victory lane, Chris. New customers can bet just $1 on this Sunday's Grand Prix in Austin, Texas and win $100 in free bets if, and this is, this is a hilarious if, if any driver finishes a lap, so that's correct, if 20 drivers start the race and no one completes a lap, that's an issue. But if any one of the 20 drivers that start the race finish a lap, you win $100 in free bets. And the question has to be asked, when is the last time that that has not happened? 
I cannot think of a time myself. I have to be honest with you. It's uh, kind of incredible. If Sportsbook is not available in your state, you can still get in on the action with DraftKings free-to-play pools. All customers get a free shot at $5,000 in total prizes. Just answer a handful of questions about what you think will happen during the race and follow along to track your results. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FUNWITHCARS. Oh, I just love saying that. Bet just $1 on this Sunday's Formula Racing Grand Prix and win $100 in free bets if any driver finishes a lap. That's promo code FUNWITHCARS or F-U-N-W-I-T-H-C-A-R-S for this no-brainer at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit for free bet promotion. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Chris, how about that? With that, we had an ad. Look at that. That's absolutely tremendous, Robin. Um, I can think of a couple of races where there were a lot of DNFs on lap one. Uh, Spa. It was a David Coulthard shunt out of uh, La Source, I, I recall, that took out most of the field. But I think someone still finished the, the lap. <laughs> and yeah. uh, there was a race at Silverstone back in the 70s where there was an almighty shunt on lap one at the start. But I think someone had also still finished the lap. So, you know, that seems like a pretty good bet. Yeah, and in my more recent memory, the best I could think of was 2005 in Indianapolis, of course. But... Still, all oh, 20 drivers actually cars. finished the lap. They just did so very slowly and went into the pits, and then it was six from then on. Yeah, yeah, because, well, if you're talking about the, the Mich- Michelin debacle, I was there. It, was, it wasn't great. Um, yeah, they, they only did the parade lap. Then they peeled into the pits, so we had six cars take the, uh, the lights, and all six cars managed to finish lap one. Hey, hey, hey. All right, well, there you go. So... All right, that that was that was I have to say oddly exhilarating to do that, but uh, we must move on. There is a race coming up. This will be the ninth running of the United States Grand Prix in Texas at Circuit of the Americas. Who do you like for it, Chris? Well, as we've discussed, uh, it does seem to be a track that uh, Lewis Hamilton does like. He probably needs to win this one uh, to give himself a cushion going into. Mexico, uh, which has not been a race that has favoured the Mercedes uh, cars in the past and has certainly been a a Max stronghold. So Lewis probably needs to convert his inherent pace and uh, the the performance that we've seen from the Mercedes in the last few Grand Prix uh, to a win this weekend, I would think. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's two things to look at. One is Lewis Hamilton's history here. He clearly knows this track very well. And, you know, he's won, literally, more than half of the races run here. And second, it does seem to be that Mercedes is on an uptick in terms of performance, particularly straight-line performance. And uh, Circuit of the Americas does include a kilometer-long back straight, among other things, in terms of opportunities to go quickly around this track. So those two things combine 
lead me to think that Mercedes will have the edge here. Yeah, I, I agree. Red Bull have made a, a lot of comments about this new performance that Mercedes seem to have discovered, particularly in the straight line. So they're you know throwing all sorts of mud. Not too much of it appears to be sticking at the moment, but it certainly seems that Mercedes have found something. Whether that's in their in the setup of the car, the way they're running the car in terms of wing and downforce levels, or something to do with the the, the PU setup. They, they certainly seem to have now ed, uh, got an edge over the Red Bull. And um, you're right, it's it's a pretty good track to have a performance advantage in a straight line. So, um, And Lewis goes pretty well around the twisty parts too. So <laughs> it'll be interesting. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. As we talked about, you know, a lot might depend on the teammates' performance and how, how they may or may not uh, influence uh, Max and Lewis's performance over the weekend. But uh, if, it's, if it's a dry weekend, we haven't had many of those recently, have we? You'd have to favor Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's, it's interesting to see because Zandvoort, I'm not saying that these two tracks are equivalent by any stretch, but it seems like in a general sense, you'd think that who was quickest at Zandvoort would also be quickest here and... Red Bull was decisively quicker there. Do you do you think Red Bull could surprise us? I mean, what because you know sector one is a good you know eight corners in a row of high speed sweeping corners where a real nice balance of downforce and drag would benefit you. And it seems like Red Bull would probably still be superior there, don't you think? So. Do you think Red Bull could indeed actually be the quicker team here and we're just, uh, we're not seeing it? Well, so if you go back to Zandvoort, Max was on pole by a very small margin over Lewis. Now, there were some factors. Uh, Max, I think, had a problem with his DRS on his pole lap, which may have cost him a bit of time. But ultimately, the performance differential was much uh, less than expected at Zandvoort. Um, the other thing is, if we go back to Silverstone, which, you know, sector one of of Cota is partially modelled on the classic sequence of maggots and beckets at Silverstone. Now, of course, turn one is, is totally different at, in Austin than um, than Cops, but ultimately... Quite, quite se- tight hairpin, ultimately, is what turn one is, yeah. Yeah, uphill, left-hander, downhill, very tight, absolutely, whereas Cops is a fast right-hander, taking about 160 miles an hour. But certainly the Maggots-Beckett's complex is very similar to 3-4-5 at uh, Austin. And Mercedes was certainly going pretty well through there. Uh, again, you know, that was a complex weekend. Um, Max Max was on pole, but mainly because of the sprint race. But the, the cars were very even at Silverstone before they hit each other. Uh, so that tells you how even they were. They were trying to <laughs> occupy the same part of the track. <laughs> yes, so, couldn't get much more uh, even than that. They're, they're, that's a that's very it's a very positive way of looking at the Silverstone uh, lap one. I appreciate that. So yeah, I think you're right. This season's been so so tough to call, and there's, there's been weekends where we thought one team would have a decisive advantage, and it hasn't worked out that way, and and vice versa. Um, I, I don't think we'll really know until we get some, some running on Friday. There, there is, has been some resurfacing done. So that always seems to, seems to cause some issues, especially if the oil is still, you know, seeping out of the, of the track. 
you know, if grip levels are low, then you, you know, bets are off. Really, who knows who's going to be quickest? It could be Lance Stroll in, a, <laughs> in an Aston Martin. Well, I was just going to suggest. I mean, if grip levels are low, you know who we saw on the podium recently with low grip? George Russell. So, do we, do we have a Williams podium ahead of us? Oh boy, I hope they find that oh. merch trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Get all the old Williams gear out from the mid nineties. But I uh, will. I will knock on wood as I say this. I will say pretty unlikely <laughs> to get rain well i was there in 2015 when it was very british like in the weather it was there was mud and, and water everywhere they had to uh they had to abandon qualifying um, and run it on this was on the saturday we they had to run it on the sunday morning eventually to get the session done so uh it does have uh, it's wet moments oh it certainly can right. it's just statistically not, not likely. likely yeah yeah i think we're definitely up for a good uh, red bull a Mercedes battle. I think the question is, will McLaren or Ferrari or both of them manage to sort of uh, get close enough to get in the fight? Uh, we've, we obviously saw Ferrari do very well out in Turkey and McLaren prior to that. So yeah. I think And Lando those can guys, be sneaky. Boy, boy, he he's, he's, really, he's really starting to be a threat up front. And, you know, Danny Ricciardo in his, in his NASCAR might, might be an outside bet as well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what about, you know, this is one of the races where you and I have both gone to the race and experienced it ourselves. What, where is, in terms of who will win the race, where is a good place to watch who will win the race in your mind? Yeah, so... Uh, back in fifteen, I was at the Turn One Grandstand, which is a which is a wonderful spot to watch from because you you got, because of the elevation you you can see quite a few corners, uh, and obviously there's so much excitement uh, on lap one as well, and usually there's some incidents there, so that's a very good very good place. And there's there's grandstand seating there, but there's also general entry uh, pens as well, so all types of ticket holders can get to that area of the track. Uh, but I, I mean, I've also watched the race from from the sweepers, the three, four, five, six area. And you know, one of the most amazing things about Formula One cars is their direction change. It just staggers you, no matter how many times you watch it. And if you want to watch F1 cars at their majestic best, that's a, that I can't really recommend those corners any any higher because it, they just you just can't believe it. The first time you see it, you can't believe it, and the hundredth time you see it, you, you can barely believe it. So uh, that's a very good spot to watch from. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, no, in terms of just the spectacle of watching the cars uh, lap the track, uh, Sector 1 certainly is an impressive place. To go back to that Stelvio I drove there, we, you know, I was uh, probably, you know, between 75 and 85 miles an hour through those corners. And that was, you know, at the limit, at the apex. And... You know, the Formula One cars are not necessarily quite, but approaching double that speed, I think, there or thereabouts through those corners. Right. It's it's staggering just how quickly they go. And for me, it's always been do whatever you can to not see the Formula One cars go through there first. If there's a Ferrari challenge race or something along those lines you can watch first, get a sense. Because those cars are also capable and hustling then see the Formula One cars go through, that's what really just paints a very impressive and stark picture of just what those cars are achieving. 
because I've had the uh, I had the misfortune to watch Formula One first and then see Challenge go through, and I'm like, well, get on the gas, son. What are you doing? <laughs> and then you realize they're still clocking triple digit speeds in many sections, yeah. But for the race itself, I actually had the pleasure of being right at the entry of turn twelve, which is coming off. It's a uh, fairly sharp left hander. 90-degree left-hander coming off of the back straight. And I was there in 2012 in those seats, and I saw Lewis Hamilton pass Sebastian Vettel with my own two eyes for the lead of the Grand Prix right there. And it was so impressive to be able to watch that. And indeed, at the end of a long straight onto a fairly tight corner means that you have a darn decent braking zone and good opportunity for passing and from there that's the tight section of the track before you get that uh triple apex like super mega hairpin you could call it i suppose you know it's a very high speed set of corners immediately preceding that you have these tight corners that they have to manage so that does give the driver that was just passed a couple of small opportunities to pass back so it's it's a great it's a great place to watch the race itself in my opinion because of those opportunities. Yeah, it's hard to think of a of a bad corner to spectate from. Actually, I, I mean, there's good uh, screens screen coverage around the track, which means you can watch obviously what's going on when the cars aren't directly in front of you. Um, but you know, there's enough elevation change, and there's some you know good mix of corners that it is a, is really a, a great spectator's circuit. Uh, you know, there's a few others I can think of that, that are not, uh, that are local to us. One that's coming back for next season, which I found to be a little disappointing for as a spectator. But Austin is, is a tremendous circuit, really, really great track. Love going there to watch Formula One. And um, there's so many other things to enjoy as well. I mean, when I was there in 2019, uh, one of the support races was classic F1. So we're talking, you know, 70s, 80s uh, era F1 cars, so think, uh, you know, Lotus, Lotus DFV, Williams DFV, they were, they were putting on a, a cracking show and the engines sounded fantastic as well. I can only imagine, I mean, what, what engines were we talking about there? Did, did, were there V12s as part of it? You know, I, most of them were running the Cosi V8, but I, there may have been, there may have been a V12 amongst them. I don't remember I don't remember the full lineup. I know that the the guys who were winning were in were in the Lotus and the and the Williams, and they were definitely just running V8. Well, and that that V8 Cosworth is certainly not bad to listen to. I, I am in by no means suggesting that 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 I just absolutely love the DF DFV engine. So I certainly wouldn't mind listening to those for a little for a few laps. And the best thing about that trip was we somehow managed to get into the support paddock and, um, you know, access to the cars in the paddock was fantastic, uh, including sitting in the cars. So if you're, if you're having a uh, wander around, certainly see if you can get in there because it's, um, it's, it's, it's fantastic access. And most of the teams and, and drivers are only too happy to, uh, to show off their wares. So obviously I'm not talking about the modern F1 paddock. Good luck getting in there, but, uh, <laughs> but this is, this is the support paddock. Yeah. It's probably, it's obviously not equivalent to, but it's probably a little bit more of a Goodwood vibe where it's kind of like, Oh yeah, come on in, check it out. It, you know, very open, uh, very just uh, welcoming in uh, very, 
nonchalant about how incredible these cars are. It's like, yeah, they're going to lap the track just like the modern ones are. We're just uh, we're happy to show them off. Yeah, exactly. These are these are people who are doing it for the love of the sport, and they want to share that love, and and uh, and they're generally very friendly as long as you catch them at the right time. So maybe you know, don't don't approach the drivers just after they've hopped out um, of the car, and the brakes are still piping hot. Uh, you might get short shrift then, but generally when they're or relaxing, you might been, uh, you might be encouraged to take a very close look at those brakes, those hot brakes. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing I love about the, the weekend is the, the track invasion after the Grand Prix. Um, they open up the gates and everyone's, in, you know, welcome to uh, to run onto the track. And uh, obviously everyone congregates down near the podium. Uh, you can get pretty close to, to some of the mechanics and who are wheeling the cars around post-race. Uh, might get sprayed with champagne, might get to shake the odd driver's hand. Uh, so that's really uh, entertaining. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there's been some great podiums there as well. I, you know, and some entertaining things going on. I, I liked how they did the 10 gallon cowboy hat for the victory Pirelli hats and things like that. You know, we've, we've had some fun little spectacles happen at Texas in the past. So hopefully they'll have something fun again. Right. Yeah, unfortunately, Hatgate wasn't actually done in, in view of the public, was it? When Rosberg and Hamilton decided to embark on some hat tossing at each other post race. Oh, but, right, uh, that Hatgate. Yes, <laughs> uh, that was uh, yeah, that was the 2015 race where Rosberg was just stewing over losing the championship, and uh, Hamilton just passed him his winner's hat, or sorry, runners up hat. <laughs> Rosberg was. Was was furious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember. Uh, but, I remember that him being less than pleased. So, yeah, that incident probably was what set him up for his title challenge and ultimate success in 2016. I mean, he started. Uh, he then won. Well, let me correct myself. He then won. I think the last couple of races that season, and then uh, dominated the start of the following season. And uh, Hamilton never quite recovered. Well, he did, but of course his engine blew up in Malaysia, otherwise he would be already an eight-time <laughs> champion. But who's, who's, who's counting? <laughs> well, if you cannot make it to the USGP, I do have what I think is a very solid backup plan, and that is my latest YouTube video. It is on, you guessed it, the Toyota Tundra. This time round, it's a second video on the Tundra. This time round, I go into detail about what different trims Tundra can tow, what amounts, also payload capacities, and also some neat towing features that the Tundra now offers, including this thing called Straight Path Assist, where the car will keep the trailer straight for you while you're in reverse, which is a fun little thing, and also a review of towing an Airstream trailer with a Tundra. So, great video. Definitely a very close second to watching a Formula One race in terms of entertainment, if you ask me. I think reversing trailers without assistance is more entertaining than F1 races sometimes. Th- there's there's truth to that, certainly. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's much more entertaining to watch someone else doing it without the trailer assist as opposed to being the unlucky soul that zigs when you should have zagged and being in that circumstance yourself. Very true. And... I've lost Christopher Roche because he's now looked for my video and is just deeply intrigued by it. So for now, I just want to thank you for listening. 
Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get our podcasts. Please leave comments on the episode of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com. Tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. And check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fwcars. Chris, are you back? Because if you are, thank you so much for joining me again. That was a great video, Robin. Thank you. (laughs) I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye.